Warning, the following show contains explicit language. Certain people should not listen to this show, such as children and panty-waist adults who cry like 12-year-old little girls when they hear profanity. Welcome back, my friends, to the Dr. Reality Podcast. I'm Dave Champion, and today I want to talk with you about the United States Supreme Court having accepted an appeal from two New York residents in the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association concerning the inability for people in the state of New York to get a concealed carry permit. Let's start our discussion by going all the way back to 1840 to the Tennessee Supreme Court in a case called Amet v. State. In that, a gentleman who was carrying a Bowie knife concealed within, as they say in the document, within the folds of his clothes was arrested and convicted for carrying a concealed weapon. This went to the Tennessee Supreme Court. The Tennessee Supreme Court said carrying around any sort of arms, including a Bowie knife, is acceptable as long as you can see it. But the state has the authority to tell you, no, you can't put a jacket over it. The... I don't know if I can call it logic, of the Tennessee Supreme Court, was that you can't have criminals and ruffians running around terrorizing citizens with concealed weapons. So if they have an exposed weapon, then they can't run around terrifying people? Isn't that an argument against firearms generally, that their very presence is dangerous to the community, according to anti-gunners. So way back in 1840, the Tennessee Supreme Court was making an absurd argument that could very well be brought forward today by the anti-gunners, and oftentimes is. Interestingly, the AMET case was mentioned in the United States Supreme Court Heller decision, which is, I think, the actual decision itself that details the history of the right to keep and bear arms is like 42, 43 pages. And in there, AMET is discussed. And the Supreme Court (laughs) does not refer to that decision in a particularly flattering way. So I doubt, although they mention AMET, and I'm presuming, it doesn't say this, but I'm presuming they mention it because it's one of the more significant concealed carry cases, even though Heller didn't deal with concealed case. They were looking at the history. So you'd go down a bullet item of right to keep and bear arms issue, concealed carry would be it. And I'm guessing that the AMET case was probably one of the first major cases, because it was heard by a Tennessee Supreme Court, right, concerning concealed carry. So the Heller Court mentioned it unflatteringly. I say that it was mentioned unflatteringly because that leads me to believe that perhaps the current Supreme Court, we're going to get into that composition in a minute, the current Supreme Court may look back, if Amen is considered one of the primary cases, may look back and say, no, that was just absurd logic, and that set the foundation for how concealed carry was looked at after that, and that was just wrong. We probably need to own up to the fact that in the United States, the vast majority of gun control laws came into being in order so that white America had some sort of control over black Americans post-Civil War possessing and carrying firearms. You remember the, well, maybe not, (laughs) people don't really read too much history these days, but uh, after the Civil War, there were things in the South called the Black Codes, and then of course we know that rolled into, when the Black Codes were declared illegal, then it rolled into Jim Crow laws, but the way that used to work was, yeah, white guys, there was no laws for white guys, white guys could do whatever they wanted with arms, but a black man had to go get a permit 
which was always issued by a white man, <laughs> or I should say, was never issued by a white man. So the black man had to go to the white man to get permission to exercise the same right that the white man had. That is the origin of the vast majority of gun control laws. So when you look at gun control laws today and you're like, this shit sucks. Well, yeah, its origin was ugly and its origin was immoral and its origin was unethical and its origin was un-American. So here we are. You might think that when I refer to this, you know, the white man didn't want the black man carrying guns around, you might think that I'm talking about ancient history. I'm not. <laughs> when Ronald Reagan was the governor of California, uh, a group of blacks that were considered somewhat militant marched in front of the California Capitol building with long guns, peacefully. They didn't do a thing. They just marched. They had their slogans. They had their long guns. It was like two days later, the California legislature enacted a law saying there would be no exposed carry in the state of California. And yeah, Ronald Reagan signed it into law. It wasn't intended to be applicable to white people. I mean, I guess you have to sort of apply it to everybody. But I think the mindset of the legislators and Reagan was, well, when it's a white guy, the cops will look the other way. But this gives us a tool to stop the black man from having equal rights. So here's one of the kind of crazy things about concealed carry laws. If you don't have a CCW, a concealed carry permit, you're wearing your firearm exposed and a cold wind comes up. So you put on a windbreaker now you're a criminal. In, in the state where I live right now, Nevada, you're a felon. If you don't have a CCW, you walk around all day long with an exposed handgun on your hip or wherever. The minute you get cold and put on a jacket, you're a felon. That is just fucking insane. And as I sit here talking to you in 2021, I think one of the biggest problems is we have this ever-growing portion of the uh, United States population that's a bunch of candy asses that believe if somebody's carrying exposed, oh my God, I feel so threatened because he just walked by with a gun on his hip. But then in the same breath, they're like, no, you can't cover that shit up. Well, I've commented on what I consider to be the insanity of any sort of concealed carry laws to begin with, that is not the issue in the New York case. The case that has just been accepted by the Supreme Court is not about whether it is okay, whether it is constitutionally permissible to have a permit scheme. The question that has been taken before the United States Supreme Court is that the state of New York has made it by the standards it has imposed under its law, has made it virtually impossible for an ordinary law-abiding citizen to get a permit. So then if they want to carry concealed outside the house, they're instantly a criminal. I know how they feel. I used to live in Los Angeles County where it was the exact same way. The New York statute being challenged requires an applicant to show good cause to be granted a permit for concealed carry. Let's see, good cause. Hmm. Could it possibly be any more subjective? <laughs> Barbara Underwood, the New York State Solicitor General, recently said in an interview responding to the media about this issue that under the statute, you have to have an actual and articulatable reason. Okay, so Underwood is full of shit. She should be publicly flogged, and let me explain why. Because if your actual and articulatable reason is, I'm out and about on the street, and there's street crime in New York— so I could 
be at risk for life or limb when out on the street going about my business. I would like to be able to use the most efficacious means of defending myself against loss of limb or loss of life, so I would like to carry a handgun. The state of New York automatically says, fuck you, that's not good cause. So if self-defense from the threat of life or limb is not good cause, what the fuck is? So if we cut to the chase on what's really happening in New York, it's a smokescreen. It is a contrivance so that the authorities in the state of New York can just say no to everybody. And that's why the suit has now arrived at the United States Supreme Court to challenge the fact that it is in reality a contrivance meant to deny the citizens of New York their right to keep and bear arms when they're out about. Let me read to you Governor Cuomo's statement that defines New York's position. Quote, the streets of New York are not the OK Corral and the NRA's dream of a society where everyone is terrified of each other and armed to the teeth is abhorrent to our values. <laughs> OK, so first of all, every single state that has a vibrant CCW program, yeah, there's no OK Corral. So all I have to do is look at like all the other states that have CCW programs and yeah, there's no OK Corral. The second thing is, though, I, I kind of get where Cuomo's coming from. Um, you don't need a gun. I mean, look, look at what he did. He killed hundreds, or was it thousands, of elderly people in New York nursing homes without a gun, he, which certainly gives him a moral position to talk about defending yourself on the street against violent attack, right? Let's take a look at what the law means when you have to have a permit. It falls into two categories. One is that just... Basically, it's not a right. It is and always has been a government privilege and absent permission from the government, you can't do it. An example of that would be distilling alcohol. From the very beginning of the United States history, distilling alcohol was considered, at least by the federal government, to be a privilege, something no one in America had a right to do. The second category is a thing which is a right, but in its nature, it is so dangerous to the public that the government has the duty, the authority, the power to regulate it. An example of that, whether you or I agree is irrelevant, but an example of that is how the government sees driving. If you're hurtling down the road in a 4,000-pound thing, the government says that is so inherently dangerous to have millions of people swirling around the roadways in these big, heavy chunks of steel. It is so inherently dangerous that while you have a right to do it, it is considered a privilege in the sense that we have a duty to regulate it. All right, so number one, it's not a right at all. It's always been and remains a privilege. We can throw that out the window. I mean, I think we all know that we have the right <laughs> to keep and bear arms. Plus, take a look at the Heller decision and the McDonald decision out of the United States Supreme Court. It's absolutely an individual right, so says the Supreme Court. So we can take this thing that it was never a right, it's not a right, it's never going to be a right, and we can throw that one out. That leaves us with number two, that it is a right, but it is so inherently dangerous that the government must regulate it. Yeah, that's not remotely true, and I'm going to prove it to you right now. There are 15 states in the Union right now that have what's called constitutional carry. In other words, you can carry open, you can carry concealed, whatever way you want. You can carry open, and then you get cold, and you put a jacket on, it's all good, and you don't need a government permission slip. So, in those 15 states, what's happened? Not a fucking thing. <laughs> They're fine. There's been no increase in crime. There's been no increase in gun violence favorite liberal term. None of that. Those states are doing great. So the idea that carrying concealed is inherently dangerous to the public, yeah, that's totally been disproven by constitutional carry. 
If we combine the evidence provided by the states that have constitutional carry, along with research after research after research paper that says those people who have concealed carry permits commit less violent crimes than the population generally. So, whether you're carrying concealed under a, in a state where they have constitutional carry without a government permission slip, or whether you do have a government permission slip, there is less violence by those people, as where it is taking place informs us, than the population generally. So, the New York legislature and people like Cuomo have absolutely no game. Now, the question becomes, does the New York legislature have the ability, the right, the power, just to say, well, we don't care what all of those real-world circumstances inform us of. We don't care about that. We're just going to say, because we're the legislature, we're just going to say it's a danger to the people of New York, and we're saying this law is legit, and we're going to defend it that way because we say it's a danger. That's mature, isn't it? <laughs> the answer is no, the New York legislature cannot do that, and here's why. The United States Supreme Court has said when a government intrudes upon a fundamental right, which the right to keep and bear arms has been declared as such by Heller and in the McDonald case, so when you're a state is intruding on a fundamental right, it has to show a compelling state interest. So, for instance, in the case we've been talking about and the argument that New York State is going to make is that it's a danger to the public to allow peop more people to have guns concealed on their person running around. Okay? And we've also discussed that all you have to do is look around at the real world where it's already taking place to see that's a nonsense argument. So if the standard of compelling state interest is to actually have any meaning at all, then the state that's claiming they have a compelling state interest, they have to place evidence upon the record in the court where their actions are being challenged showing that it is a danger to the public. New York State cannot do that for the reasons I just shared with you. There could not be a better time for a case like this to reach the United States Supreme Court because, as you likely know, six of the nine justices are members of the Republican Party, which is typically thought <sighs> to be pro-gun, but they're not always, sadly. It's more, in many cases, it's more rhetoric than it is substance. If we take those six Republican jurists and we take Roberts and move him out because he's <laughs> not really. So we've probably got five justices we can actually rely upon in a case like this. And, of course... Five to four gets us what we want. If you find this sort of analysis enjoyable and interesting and fascinating, do please go to drreality.news. Take a look at Income Tax Shattering the Mist. Please read the reviews. I always say, don't believe me about anything. <laughs> and Body Science, again, don't believe me. Read the reviews. Either one you purchase, you will be absolutely blown away. You have my word on that.